0: Mark chapter 9 and verse 17, I want to share with you a thought that I had in my heart this week. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I've brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, this now referring Jesus is answering the man that's presenting the need. Jesus answers the man and says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They brought him unto him, unto Jesus, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. He asked his father, how long is it ago since this came upon him? Jesus is asking the Father, how long has he been dealing with this? And he said, of a child. Oftimes it had cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. That's why you need to be careful what you put in front of your kids. Spirits can get in them and they're there to destroy those kids. You think it's just a Disney movie. No, it has a philosophy behind it. Oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. The enemy is trying to destroy the next generation. But if thou canst do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Straightway, the father of the child cried out, almost like a a volcano of his emotions erupts, and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I want to speak this morning on this subject. I choose faith. I choose faith. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we stand once again in your presence. We're so humbled that you allow us to sit in heavenly places and feel your presence and your glory. We're not deserving of it, Lord. We're flawed humans. And Lord, we suffer with all the emotions of any other normal human being that's trying to make it through life. But you have given us access into your presence. You have allowed us to sit in heavenly places, to know you, the power of your name, the anointing of your spirit, and the authority of your word. Pray now, Lord, that as we look to this Word, that it would marinate in our minds and spirits and that the Word would fall on good ground and change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Many of the circumstances in life that you and I face, they force us to make a decision to choose between faith or fear. The flesh leans toward fear, but the Spirit leans toward faith. And we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. The spirit wants to believe. And it's given to every man the measure of faith. So there is within our human spirit a desire to believe. Even without the Holy Spirit, the human spirit wants to believe. And so we do believe. We believe. uh, We give people the benefit of the doubt. We believe. We get in that car, it'll start up. We believe we sit down in that seat, it'll hold us. We believe we get on the airplane that that pilot's properly trained. We believe that that stoplight, when it's green on this side, it'll be red on the other side, and the traffic won't keep coming. We believe there's so many things we do every day that we don't even think about. We just, we believe and we trust. And yet, as a part and parcel of all of that that is within our human nature, there's a desire to believe in God. The Bible said a fool looks into the heavens and says there is no God. You can't look up there and see everything so perfectly aligned and precise and say there is no God. So we we have within us the spirit that wants to believe. But the flesh is its default position. It's prone toward fear. And when I get fearful, I'm operating in the flesh. And uh, fear can be a, a guide. It's important um, to to listen to the fears that we have because uh, humanity, this flesh that we have, has within its DNA a nature to preserve itself. And it knows it has a limited shelf life, and we know that we have limitations of time and space and strength and so forth. So in our flesh, we fear. We, we uh, put in self-defense mechanisms to try to uh, protect ourselves from being hurt and being harmed and, and we put these walls up emotionally and physically and, and sometimes even spiritually and so we have a part of us that wants to believe and yet we have a part of us that is overwhelmed and it's not always an easy choice sometimes we choose to believe but we hedge our bets with a backup plan we say lord I believe but just in case plan B Sometimes we have no other choice. We have no other option. So it would appear to be an easy decision to believe or not to believe. But then doubt creeps into our mind even when we have no other options. And one thing is for sure, we find ourselves concerned about the limited options we have. And then fear and doubt can overwhelm us even when there is no other option. Because we start to wonder why God put us in a position where we have limited options. And so the flesh is always warring against the spirit, you know. It's like that the old cartoons of the little angel and the little devil on the shoulder. Do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it. And so you have all of this warring within all of us as human beings. This is, this is who we are. And, and there's a choice that we can make. And this is the part that I want to emphasize at the very beginning of this presentation is that it's important for you to understand that you can choose. You are not a slave to your emotions. Now, I know that the culture that we're in is trying to, is trying to present that like, you know, you, you can't do anything about it. You're, you're married to a lady for 45 years, but now you're drawn to this other young girl that you're working with, and ain't nothing you can do about it because you're hard. That's a bunch of baloney. You're not a slave to your emotions and your feelings. Your brain is in charge, or should be. And I I feel like sometimes in the culture that we live, people have taken leave of their brains. (laughs) I felt something just kind of crawl upon me right there. But you can choose. The mind controls how you feel. If you say, this is the way I am, this is the way it is, is," then your emotions will get in line behind that. Your emotions are like a spoiled kid. If you let them, they'll just run the show. They'll get up every day, this is what I'm doing today, this is what I feel like. And your brain and your body and your actions and your hands and your thoughts are all just like, okay, whatever you say. Oh, come on, you need to get a grip. You, you'd be married 25 years. You don't always feel love and goosebumps every day. You don't all feel infatuation. and I mean, you've been married long enough now. You've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. But that doesn't mean you quit loving. Because you made a decision. You made a decision until death do us part. You made a decision. You're committed to that decision. And you stay committed to that decision and the emotions will come along and line up. You choose to. I choose to love. I choose to be faithful to my spouse. I choose to be faithful to God. It doesn't mean that every day I wake up and all the answers of life are, or all the questions for life are answered for me. There's times I have questions just like you do. But we make up in our mind. I choose to serve God. I choose to believe. I know I could fear. I know I could doubt. But I choose to believe. And sometimes even when you don't feel faith, you can choose faith. I choose to trust in the Word of God. It doesn't mean all the circumstances are not going my way. It doesn't mean everything's all lined up and that we're in a perfectly, uh, you know, situation. There may be all kind of adverse conditions around you. But you make up in your mind, I still believe God. I still trust in God. I choose to believe
1: when it would be easy for me
0: to doubt. Does that mean all your questions are answered? No, that just means that you don't find the need to keep asking the questions. Mm. There's some people that spend their whole life Asking questions What about this? How about that? Da da da, da ba, ba, ba. I don't know Ask them all when you get to heaven Why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? I don't know there's some things you're not ever going to know That's why this is a walk of faith You got
1: to get up every day And say I don't know how God's going to do it But I can't wait to see how he does it And I'm going to rejoice ahead of time I'm not going to wait till the victory gets here. I'm going to go ahead and rejoice now. Because I choose faith.
0: In this story, there's a couple of issues to consider. First,
2: it would appear that this
0: situation was a permanent one. It had all the indications that the condition was unchanging. Not only had the boy been this way for many years, the disciples had prayed and nothing had happened. Sometimes... The repetition of prayer has reinforced the perception that nothing will change. You pray for something over and over, countless trips to the altar, countless people praying for you, and nothing changes. And that, in and of itself, can create a barrier to your faith. Because you just start to feel like, and, and I'm sure the enemy helps this along by saying, see there? You went down there again, nothing happened. You went to that East Wind church again, nothing happened. You believed, nothing happened. I remember when I was a boy, I was discovered I had severe scoliosis as a 14-year-old. My parents were so devastated. And in their sincerity and in their earnestness, they had me prayed for by seemingly everybody. And everywhere, conferences, camps, this church, wherever. It, it, let's bring little Davey up and pray for him and so I was paraded around just about everywhere and I was prayed for and I can remember at one point I was about 15 years old and my father was good friends with Brother Bill Cannell, who was the, the district superintendent over all the churches in Florida and uh, the campground was up in Ocala of course it wasn't the big auditorium we have now it was the smaller one and my father had relayed his concern about his son me uh, to his friend Brother Bill Cannell, and so Brother Cannell decided on Friday night Friday night of camp meeting Friday night to call 15-year-old David onto the platform. So here I come. It's not enough that I'm wearing a back brace at 15 years old. That alone, when you're 15 years old, you can be humiliated with everything going right. Much less anything that makes you stick out. Now we're going to add on top of that, we're going to bring him up to the front. And put him on display. So I went up there and Brother Connell and the other ministers prayed for me. My parents, I still remember, they were sitting right here and and they prayed. And and then I went down and rejoined my parents and we went back to our seat. And I'm I'm being honest, I'm being transparent. I'm sure I did not pray very hard because I wasn't happy about the whole situation. And so I was just like, oh my goodness, I wish I could just get into the crowd somewhere and disappear i can't believe i'm on top and they got me on the platform let's pray for him and i mean you're 15 years old and you're just 15 you're embarrassed by everything and so i'm just like wanting to disappear and i remember on the ride home because we would then drive back to palm bay melbourne after the service and on the ride home i can remember my parents talking in the front seat and i was in the back seat and i was listening to them and it was kind of like naming and his caravan after they had gone from, you know, Syria to visit Elisha and be prayed for, and uh, remember the, uh, Naaman and his men, we thought that Naaman would come out, or we thought that Elisha would come out and would wave his hand all around and do something great, say abracadabra or something, and then I would be healed of my leprosy, but instead he told me to go dip seven times in the Jordan River, you know, and I can't believe that, and he was offended, he was going home, and, 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 and I think it was kind of like that way with us, we were driving back to Palm Bay, and And my parents were like, I thought, you know, there would be more prayer, you know. And I thought that they would all gather around. And it it just seemed like it was. Because when you're facing something, it's the biggest thing in your world. But it's not in everybody else's world. It's dominating your world. And sometimes in our humanity, we feel like it ought to dominate everybody else's world. But it doesn't. People got other stuff going on. I mean, we love you. We're concerned about you. But everybody's got their own cross they're carrying. And I'm sure uh, nobody thought anything wrong. But, I mean, we were dealing with this. My parents were more concerned about it than I was. I don't know if I was just ignorant or I don't know what my problem was. But I was like, so what? I got a crooked spine. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I'm wearing a brace. But my parents were extremely concerned about it and really felt like the Lord would hear. And so on the way home, I can remember there being this somber mood in the car and I leaned forward at one point and said "Uh, can I say something since we are talking about me I would like to not be prayed for anymore by anybody (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, and I'm sure you know I got great parents and I'm sure that they understood you know what I was dealing with as a 15 year old But still, in your flesh, you don't want just repeated attempts of failure. And then I think when you feel that in your humanity, it's reinforced by the spirit of this world that says, why do you keep on believing? Why do you keep on trusting God? There wasn't any crowds around whenever they took my brace off and I was at Bible school in St. Paul, Minneapolis. They took me to Mayo Clinic and there was nobody around. It was just me now. I'm an 18-year-old and I'm sitting on a little table, metal cold table thingy in a a doctor's examination room and they got x-rays up there and these guys are running around and looking at x-rays and these doctors and bringing in other people from Asia and they're all looking at this and they're like, we have no explanation. Usually a brace will just hold it from getting worse, but yours improved 40%. We have no way of explaining that. There was nobody around. But it was just God saying
1: to me, you know what? You need to just be reminded that you never wasted one prayer. It was probably good for your pride to be prayed for in front of everybody. You need to learn, 18-year-old David Ellis Myers, that you're not Superman. You're not king of the universe. You're going to need me every day of your life. I've come to preach to somebody today. I know you're going through a tough time. But I've come to tell you, you can choose faith. You can choose to believe when everything is going against you.
0: No doubt this is what this father was facing with his son. It had had been going on since he was a child. Everybody had to watch him. Everybody had, Where's he at? Where's Johnny? There he goes. He's trying to jump in the fire. Grab him. What does he do? Keep him. We got him away from the fire. We put him on the fire. Oh, thank God. Where's he at? Now he's over in the lake. What in the world is he doing? I mean, it was a constant thing. And then they bring him to the disciples. And the disciples are like... We don't know what to tell you. We prayed, nothing happened. Somehow, in the multitude, though the disciples had prayed and nothing had happened, this man, this father, who was probably at his wit's end, he had the courage to believe one more time. Good God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to say somebody today, just believe one more time.
1: I know you've been prayed for a lot. I know you believed a long time that your son or daughter would come home and be saying, I know you've been praying for a while, but all you got to do is believe just one more time. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. you just got to get up one more time than how many times you fell. It doesn't matter how many times you doubt it. It doesn't matter how many times you fear. It doesn't matter how many times you question. All you got to do is choose faith one more time than you did not.
0: And when he presented the need, that took a lot of faith. He was not congratulated. He was ridiculed. He became the face of an entire generation that struggled with the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm just wanting my boy delivered. Jesus says in verse 19, he answered him, referring to the man, the father, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Now, some would say that he was frustrated with the disciples. And so he addressed these comments to his disciples. Because the man said, I brought him to your disciples and nothing happened. But the verse says he answered him, referring to the father. And it would appear that the comments were addressed to the father. And later on, when the disciples asked The Lord, why, you know, when we prayed, nothing happened. And and when you prayed, he was delivered. What's up with that? And the Lord didn't say to them, it's because you don't have enough faith. You're a faithless generation. He didn't say that. He said, some miracles require prayer and fasting. You got some big hairy devils and you can't just name it and claim it and blab
1: it and grab it. Some things you got to get a breakthrough through prayer and fasting.
0: to say right now to this church there's some things we're facing that are big devils and we can't just name it and claim it and think that our being in church one hour a week is going to make it go away we got to find a way to dig in and pray and fast until we get a deliverance until we get an answer until we feel that you say I, I'm having a hard time believing I'm going to tell you why because you're not praying and fasting you'll fear if you don't pray and fast but if you'll start praying and fasting your faith will catch up
1: Good God, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I said, your faith may not be there yet, but you begin to get a hold of God. You begin to pray and fast and and say, God, I'm not going to let go of the horns of the altar until you bless me, until you heal me, until you set me free. I'm here to tell you, if you can believe, anything is possible.
2: (sighs)
0: So in addition to that, the man admitted that he was struggling with his faith. He said, I believe, but help my unbelief. So all of those things would come together in collaboration to indicate that the issue of who Jesus was addressing his comments to was the man who had presented the need, the Father. So if the man is doubting before, because of this being prayed for by the disciples, nothing happened. The fact that it had gone on since he was a child. If he was struggling, then it must have been exacerbated with the comment by Jesus about a faithless generation. The point is, this man had every reason not to believe. The longevity of the circumstance. Failed past prayer attempts, embarrassment, ridicule, but still, he said, I choose faith. I choose to believe. I'm not going to tell you that I'm Superman and everything's lined up and I'm full of faith. I'm here to tell you, I got some unbelief and I'm asking you to help me and pray for my unbelief. But Lord, here I
1: am one more time. Here here I am again. I'm right in front of you with my hand up saying, God, I still need you. I'm still here. You can choose to believe when everything is against you. You can choose to believe when you don't feel belief. I don't feel faith, but I choose faith. I choose to get up every day and to say, this is the day the Lord at me. He knows where I am. He knows the steps that I take. He knows what I'm going through. And he's going to bring me through the fire. I choose faith. I'm calling on East Wind Pentecostal Church to choose faith over fear, to choose God over the enemy, to choose life and not death.
0: God's got you I said God's got you I remember years ago I was preaching a revival in Fall River, Massachusetts and it had gone well and the pastor asked me to stay or preach another week but he said we're just going to do the next weekend Thursday through Sunday so Monday through Wednesday you got a few days off so I said okay I'm going to take those few days to go see some friends everything that could go wrong went wrong by the time I got back to that revival Thursday night I was in no frame of mind to believe and I was praying before service and I said Lord you're gonna to have to help me and I remember the Lord just putting a thought in my spirit I've never forgot it and the thought was people that are in this audience they have no idea what you've gone through there's no reason that they should be held hostage by your own lack of faith Good God Almighty. I said, okay, Lord. I felt like the Lord had just slapped me upside the head. And I said, okay, God, I choose faith. I choose to believe. God, I thank you for every miracle you're going to do in this place tonight. Sometimes you've got to just talk yourself into it. You're not there yet. You know, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the people that are going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. And inside your spirit, you're like, ain't nobody going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's going to be healed. And inside the little voice is like, ain't nobody going to get healed tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you're going to do. You're going to deliver people tonight. Oh, I thank you for it, Lord. And the more I begin to pray and declare it and claim it, the more I begin to believe it. And then I started adding on, and Lord, I need you to heal my own spirit. I need you to heal my own mind. Because, Lord, you have declared it. You have decreed it. This is the day that you have made. You are a healer. By your stripes I am healed. I had to go through the Bible and start recounting every one of them. And when I got up to preach, I said, you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to have a prayer line. Sometimes when the devil's messing at you, you've got to hit him with both fists and both feet. We're going to have a prayer line tonight. And they started bringing people down. and People started getting healed and stuff. And then they brought a man down in a wheelchair. And I felt like it's like, okay, now we're going to see what you made out of. Almost like the devil said, see what you do with this. And that man come down in a wheelchair and we just pray a simple prayer. He'd been in that chair for over 20 years. And he got up out of that chair and started running around the auditorium running around the church some of the people were running behind him with a wheelchair and finally they just took the wheelchair and they just rammed it over there against the side wall we don't need that thing anymore they just crashed it into the side and that man just kept on running kept on running years later I talked to the pastor he said he's still running
1: It's almost like the Lord said, I got your back. Just keep believing. Don't worry about the circumstances around you. Don't worry about what other people are saying. You just keep on believing. You just keep on praying. I choose faith. I've come to tell somebody in this building. You may have gotten a bad report from the doctor. But you choose to believe. You choose faith. You choose to trust God. Come on, would you lift your hands and your voice right now? And would you say, I choose to believe.
0: we got people in this church facing cancer. We choose faith. I said, we choose faith.
1: We choose to believe. God can do anything. We're not supermen. We doubt at times. We've got fear. But we choose faith. We choose to believe that God is able. And not only that He's able, but that God is willing. We believe God's will. I said, we believe God will. Jesus
0: Woo. I feel faith is trying to rise, but circumstances just pushing it down. It's trying to break through. Trying to break forth. Jesus. Come on, let your faith rise up. I feel it rising up. I come in here, I was down and discouraged. But now that I'm in the presence of God, I'm in the presence of God's people under the banner of His name and an atmosphere of praise. I feel it rising up. Mm. I feel it rising up. Mm. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
2: Ah. Uh.
0: Now I know I'm the first to admit that the Lord speaks to me in strange ways. Yes, but I was down here yesterday praying, yes, walking around that second foyer over there. Yes, and I was just walking around praying, and I was trying to put my thoughts down on, on my laptop while I, was, while I was trying to do that. A big old palmetto bug come walking across the foyer like it owned the place. All rised up on its legs like that, walking had its chest all stuck out. And I said, the devil is a liar. And I went over there and went. I went back to pray and thought I had taken care of it. I walked around and prayed a little bit longer and I went back over there and looked at it. And that thing was flipped over on its back. But had all of its legs going in the air like that. And had both antennas sweeping like that. I looked at that thing and I said, you refuse to die, don't you? But then I got to thinking, if that thing flips over on its feet again, it's going to take off. So I went. I stomped on it again, put a little bit more mustard on it that second time. And when I did, them feet quit moving. One antenna was busted. And the feet was all curled up. Them little old nasty skinny feet. He only had one antenna that was working. But with his one antenna, he was sweeping. Is there any help out there? I have been attacked by a monster. Is there anybody out there that can help me out? I walked back over there and looked at that roach and I just felt something in my spirit say, that's how you feel sometimes. You've been stomped on by the devil not once but twice. You thought you had it beat and it came back again. It has knocked you on your back. And you can't hardly move your feet to even get to the house of God. But with your one antenna, with your mustard seed faith, is there a God out there? Is there anybody that can hear me? That's how that man was. We've tried the disciples. We've tried everything we know. But with his one antenna that was still working. Jesus, can you have compassion on me? I didn't think nothing more about that crazy bug. I just went on praying and talking to the Lord. I went back over there about an hour. I couldn't believe what I saw. I went back over there. And now all of the feet were working. And both antennas were going. And normally, I'd have stepped on him again and put him in the toilet. I could not kill him. That roach had resurrected. He was super roach.
1: He only had one busted antenna. But
0: he kept moving it until everything else started working. Oh, I got a revelation watching that stupid
1: roach. (laughs) If I could just move my one antenna, I'm going to keep on believing until my legs start to work and my hands start to work and my joy comes back. And I begin to say, I still believe I've come to the house of God with joy and purpose and faith. I'm preaching to somebody. Just keep on believing. Just keep on believing. Just keep on believing.
0: Woo. you I got to keep on. I choose faith when everything's gone wrong. I choose to just keep on believing when everything's against me. I'm going to get a tenacity. I'm going to get a determination. I refuse to die I said I refuse to die God doesn't need a favorable environment to work in I want to proclaim to this church today this is not the season of despair this is the season of deliverance this is the season of promise The atmosphere that ushers in the season of promise is not what we think. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It is an unfavorable atmosphere that brings in the supernatural. Consider the atmosphere that brings a crop to harvest. It's the uncomfortable heat and the thunderstorms that produce the concentrated rains. When we plant in the spring, we plant with faith, with a promise that the season will produce an atmosphere, though uncomfortable for us, it will produce an atmosphere exactly what the promise needs to bring it out of the ground. The atmosphere brings a fall harvest. It jump-starts the growth process. It activates the necessary ingredients to bring a seed to the point of fruition. It's not by accident that he said that our faith is as a grain of mustard seed. It's just a seed. And that seed is watered by adversity. So that when it appears that everything is against you, I'm going to tell you something today. I mentioned it in the early service. C.S. Lewis wrote a, a book called The Screwtape Letters and it was a parable about a conversation that the devil was having with one of his generals, Wormwood. And it was about they were throwing everything they could at this Christian and the more they threw at him, he just kept on worshiping God. And finally, hell was so exasperated. I've come to tell you that hell is never at its weakest point as when it tries to bring everything against you and nothing works. You're still in the house of God. You're still saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that in me is. The devil thought he'd have knocked you out a long time ago. But you just kept
1: one antenna sweeping. You just kept believing. There's still a God out there. that he's got my back. He's going to see me through.
0: (laughs) Consider the atmosphere that brings about the promise of new life. The process of childbirth, though uncomfortable to the mother exactly what the child needs to sustain life outside of the womb. The season of promise may be nine months, but when it is the most uncomfortable, when it is the most awkward, and then finally, when it is the most painful, the promise is manifested with the miracle of a new baby. Consider the atmosphere that brings about a spiritual promise. The disappointment of the crucifixion of Jesus brings about the promise that Jesus gave them weeks earlier. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Calvary, though discouraging, brought the exhilaration of the resurrection. The disappointment of the ascension of Jesus brings the promise of the Father with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. And the persecution of the post-apostolic fathers brought in the revival fires of Christianity that could not be contained and swept the world. And we're still the remnant of that. That is all because of a season. That appeared from the outside. To be a season of despair. To be a season of hurt and pain. But it was the season of promise. This is not our season to die. This is our
1: season of promise. I choose to believe. I choose faith. I choose to live and not die. Because God is not held hostage. To the Contrary winds that blow. He's not confined by the parameters of inflation and affliction. This is fertile ground for the hand of God. It is harvest time. It is the season of
0: promise. If you've been praying for something for some time now, you better get ready. I said, you better get ready. For the fruition of that promise. Yes, that promise is coming up. Yes, it's coming to life. Yes, yes. This is our day. This is the season that God has given us. Yes, Look up, lift up your heads. Your redemption draweth nigh. Oh, my friend, you think it's going to be a party when Jesus returns? The promise of his return is going to be in a season of unrest. Yes, Luke twenty-one, twenty-five through twenty-eight, and there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth. Distress of nations with perplexity. Nations saying we can't solve it. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Does this sound like the season we're in? And for looking after those things. Those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then... Somebody shout, and then...
1: And then... In that atmosphere, in that context of fear and perplexity that's worldwide... And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory... And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head. When these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. He's not a long ways off. He's not a far
0: way off. He is close. He is close. He is close. John four thirty five. say not ye, there are yet four months... And then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white already to harvest. I ain't talking about four months from now. I'm not talking about four weeks from now. I'm talking about right now. There's not another thing that has to happen. We are in the season of revival. We are in the season of the miraculous. Uh, God is rolling up his sleeve. He's just looking for somewhere that he can work uh, and do a mighty work. Uh, I want to raise my hand to heaven and say, over here, Lord. Over here, Lord. We need your help. We got nowhere else to go. We're looking to you. You're the author and the finisher of our faith.
1: We choose faith.
0: They're white already to harvest. Yes, Not that long ago, Hitler was marching across Europe nearly uncontested in major countries like France. Japan had just launched a raid on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, killed thousands of sailors and crippled our Pacific fleet. FDR Franklin, Eleanor Roosevelt, the president got on the radio to address the American people, a country that's in chaos. Said those famous words that echo in my brain this morning. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. In other words, we don't need to fear the Germans or the Japanese or the Axis powers. We need to fear ourselves. Because if we can't get control of our own fear, then we'll lose. Our greatest challenge is our own mindset. But if we can control our fear, anything is possible. America responded and began to produce the greatest war machine the world has ever seen. It culminated with the building of two nuclear bombs, a weapon that had never been unleashed on mankind. They woke up a sleeping giant because America said, we refuse to die
2: in fear.
0: I feel a prophetic voice through the Christian generation of this world. This is not our
1: time to fear and to die. This is the time for the church to rise up and say, This is our day! The only thing we've got to fear is our own fear. But if we can get the right attitude in the right atmosphere, anything is possible! Jesus is looking to see if He can find a people. Is there a people in Palm Bay? Is there a people in Bavar County? Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that can choose
2: faith?
0: Faith. Stand to your feet. The right action. In the right atmosphere. With the right attitude. Brings about the reality of the promise. The promise of the Holy Ghost required the right action on the followers of Jesus. The promise of revival in the last days required the right action. Go ye to all the world. Teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of Jesus. It wasn't a conditional promise based upon perfect circumstances. It was go. We choose to believe. We choose to go. We choose to claim our promises. We claim the promise of healing. If any two shall agree together, you shall ask in my name. We choose the promise of miracles. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, you shall cast out devils. We choose to claim the promise of power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon. We claim the promise of forgiveness. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open. Ask and you shall receive. We choose the promise of blessings. Prove me and see if I will not pour you on a blessing that you cannot contain. We choose the promise of faithfulness. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We choose the promise of salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We choose the promise of the Holy Spirit of God. Tarry ye
1: until ye be endued with power
0: from on high. Jesus said, these things. You see these things. What things? Promises of God. He told his disciples, these things cometh not but by prayer and fasting. They're promises. They got to be cultivated. Prayer and fasting. Produce promises that will be watered by our faith. So ladies and gentlemen, we must pray. I'm asking each family to pick a day in the week when you can come to the church and for one hour pray. We're going to open up the cafe from 6 a.m. till 12 midnight every day. We need to pray. We need a breakthrough in Jesus' name. Your family needs it. Your church needs it. Your country needs it. And you need it. And I need it. More than we probably realize. We need it. Don't let anything on your schedule keep you from a daily time of prayer. This is the season of promise. And we must respond. We must fast. I'm asking each family in this church to pick one day of the week when you and your family can fast. You determine the day and the schedule, but fast at least one day a week. And through fasting and prayer and through faith, anything is possible. We've got to lay aside every weight and sin. If you've got too much baggage, the plane will not get off the ground. You can plant all the crops you want, but if you pour a sidewalk on top of it, it's not coming up. We got to lay aside the weight and the sin. I choose to believe, not because it's easy, but because it's right and it's the will of God. He's just looking to see if he can find faith on the earth. Let it be said that East Wind believes. East Wind believes. I choose faith over fear. I choose Christ over chaos I choose healing over sickness I choose the miraculous over the status quo I choose life over death I choose faith Would you throw your hands in the air and would you lift your voice like a trumpet
1: ha.
2: God love Jesus We Come, on, Come, on, God, we Come on, let faith God, rise up Come
0: on, all over this building Come on, let faith rise up
2: It's there, you just got to water it we'll see a God, we Come on, is there any prayer
0: warriors in this God, place? Is there any faith in this
2: house? Come on, join your faith with our faith. That's it. Step out.
1: Move towards your promise. Move towards your
2: promise.
1: I'm not going to wait for it. in a pass you posture. I'm moving toward my miracle.